0: Active FM presents Food
1: for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicki be So we're continuing with our series, The Secret to a Life of Miracles. And the sermon today is entitled, What is the Most Important Thing in My Life? What is the most important thing in my life? And I want you to think about that because if you want to live a life of, of miracles, you've got to find the answer to that question. And just a recap for, from last week, um, we, we, we looked at the fact that the, the, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Proverbs twenty one twenty two: A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. Amen. And that also a stronghold is a hiding place for the demonic, and we've been going through those verses from two Corinthians ten verse three to five, and that fear will always attract the information it needs to legitimise its existence. Now, um, last week we spoke about seeing the world through God's eyes, and the weapons cast down strongholds where we trust ourselves, others, or things. This is the weapons of God, the the, the weapons of His warfare. In other words, any time we trust anything other than God, the weapons of the Word will bring those strongholds down. And, and why is that so important? Because God desires that we have a stronghold of the knowledge of the goodness of God. That that would be our stronghold. That every time there's a problem, that every time there's a challenge, we'd be going to God. In 1 verse 7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who trust in Him. The Lord knows those who trust in Him and um the only way you're going to get to that is by getting the word inside of yourself and getting yourself to a place where you really experience him in all of his goodness and all of his glory when you know that you know that you know that you know the goodness of almighty god and this can only happen through a changing of our thought patterns and a thought pattern is only transformed when i see through the eyes of jesus a thought pattern is only transformed when i see through the eyes of jesus Genesis 14, 22, With raised hand I've sworn an oath to the Lord, God Most High, Al-Alyon, the Most High God. There is no one else that comes even close to his authority. There is no one else that can even come close to touching him. And Abraham, when he was offered money by the king of Sodom, he said, with raised hands, I have sworn an oath to the Lord, the God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. Abraham did not want anyone to be able to take credit for the prosperity that God had brought into his life. Not not even money interested in him. He wanted everyone to know that God was his provider, that God was the authority over his life, and that God was the one that he followed. Now today, what is the most important thing in my life? And I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 to 28. It says this, From then on, Jesus began to clearly reveal to his disciples that he was destined to go to Jerusalem and suffer injustice from the elders, Leading priests and religious scholars. He also explained that he would be killed and three days later raised to life again. Peter took him aside to correct him privately. He reprimanded Jesus over and over, saying to him, God forbid, Master, spare yourself. You must never let this happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get out of my way, you Satan. You are a hindrance to me because your thoughts are only filled with man's viewpoints and not with the ways of God. Then Jesus says to his disciples, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and and experience it as your own, as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true love. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. Even if you were to gain all the wealth and power of this world, at the cost of your own life, what good would that be? And what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? I, the Son of Man, will return one day with my messengers and in the splendor and majesty of my Father. And then I will reward each person according to what they have done. But I promise you, there are some standing here now who won't experience death until they have witnessed the coming of the Son of Man in the presence and the power of the kingdom of the realm of God. So Jesus, if you look at this passage, He was purpose-driven. He was, his whole life was driven around His purpose, the reason that He was born. In the natural, Jerusalem was not the place for Jesus to go. In the natural, Jerusalem is exactly the last place that Jesus should have gone. And it's the last place that he should have gone because the fact that um, the the disciples knew that the people there wanted to kill Jesus. But from the, the perspective of eternity, Jerusalem was exactly where humanity needed Jesus to be. And Jerusalem was exactly the place that Jesus needed to be if he was going to save mankind from our sins so that we could live forever with him in heaven. So Jesus' purpose was also linked to his love for humanity, to his love for mankind. And the very purpose of his life, the very reason why he came to this earth was for the salvation of all people. Now, I remember in 1996, I was at home and uh, I was watching the news and Nelson Mandela was standing by Robben Island and there were a whole lot of media people there and he was speaking and he was speaking to the Americans because obviously the ANC was friends with the Cubans and I'll never forget what he was saying to the press and he was saying, America, you can go and, you know, you can be friends with whoever you want to to be friends with. But what he said to them was, your enemies are not our enemies. Your friends are not our friends. And so we'll be friends with who we want to be friends with. And we were talking about the Cubans, China, and other places like that. Now, all of the political debate that was going on at the time was revolving around purpose. You see, obviously the ANC aligned with people like Fidel Castro. They, they aligned with the Communist Party in China. And they did not align with uh, many of the ideals that the Americans had. And so everything in this political debate was revolving around purpose. And there's no use debating someone unless you understand purpose. You see, if someone believes their purpose is X... You can speak to them until the cows come home. You're not going to change their mind. Because that is their purpose. That is why they believe that they exist. And no mind of debating, no mind of reasoning, no mind of challenging is going to change it. And it was exactly the same as Jesus. I mean, I want you to think uh, about some of these things. Um, it says Peter took him aside privately. You know like you take someone who's like lost it, someone who's like a loose cannon. Peter takes him aside privately and then he, he begins to reprimand Jesus. I want you to think about that for a second. Imagine taking the Son of God and you start reprimanding him. No, no, really, listen, you're not being responsible now. You're you really not looking after yourself, you know. Now, Jesus, God forbid that that would happen. You must never allow that to happen to you. Can you imagine? Peter must have been so wise. Imagine giving the Lord of glory this advice. Imagine coming to the King of Kings and giving him some advice and saying, Lord, you know, you don't have much wisdom here. Let me help you. Imagine going to the Lord himself and saying, let me help you. And then Jesus turns around and says something, that would have made many of us tremendously offended. You get out of my way, you Satan. (laughs) I know some of you have been upset with your pastor, maybe your cell leader or whatever, you know what I'm saying. But I've never said to anyone, you get behind me, you Satan. Or you stop hindering me, you Satan. Huh? Now imagine that's what your cell leader says to you. You're busy giving your cell leader or your pastor advice, and your pastor turns around. You get out of my way, you Satan. My word. That person next to you, say, my word. Say, <laughs> so, my goodness gracious me. Um, and then he says this. You are a hindrance to me. So Jesus is telling him the same thing Nelson Mandela was telling America at that press conference in 1996. You are a hindrance to me. All right. You don't have a clue of why I'm here, Peter. Peter, I'm the one that called you. Peter, I'm the one that told you to fish on the other side. Peter, I'm the one that calmed the storm. Peter, I'm the one that raised that boy at the funeral from the dead. Peter, I'm the one that raised Lazarus. Peter, it's me. All right? Peter, I'm the one that fed the 5,000. You were telling me to tell them to go home. Because there wasn't enough food. You were the one that was telling me there's only five loaves and two fish. And now you're coming here and you're trying to give me advice and you don't realize you're actually stuffing up the very reason why I came in the first place. Why? Because your thoughts are filled with man's viewpoints and not the ways of God. Listen, if you want to see God work, You cannot be filled with the viewpoints of people. If you are filled with the viewpoints of people, you're not going to see the way God wants you to see. You're not going to have faith. And if you don't have faith, you're not going to see God move. Kingdom perspective sees everything to God's plan. I want to say that to you again. Kingdom perspective sees everything through God's plan. In Matthew sixteen twenty-one, from the New King James, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Now I want you to realize, Jesus had already given his disciples at this point a whole map, a whole uh, storyboard for how things were going to pan out. He was going to go to Jerusalem. They were going to arrest him. He was going to suffer many things. At the hands of who? The chief priests and the scribes. <laughs> the church of that day. The the, the 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 upright people of society. He he was going to suffer, and then not only was he going to suffer, he was going to be killed. And then he said, and then I'll be dead for three days and then I will be raised up on the third day he'd already told them guys when that time comes you see me hanging on that cross stop worrying about it because I'm going to go into the grave and then on the third day the grave's going to be empty you know it seems like the whole world has COVID and if they don't have COVID they have flu and if they don't have flu they have something else And if they don't have something else, well, then they'll find something to worry about. Because people are either sick or worried. Amen? But we've got to start seeing through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus saw from an eternal perspective. He knew that he had to suffer. He knew that in order for his purpose to be fulfilled, he had to suffer. And why did he have to suffer? Well, we know from the blood of redemption. From Isaiah 53... That he had to suffer to be bruised and chastised and whipped and scourged and all of these things for our sins, our transgressions, our iniquities. That the chastisement of our peace with God would fall on him. That all of the war that was supposed to take place between us and God would fall on him. He had to suffer. And to the human viewpoint, this is terrible. This should never happen. This is Messiah abuse. I bet you've never heard that term before. Neither have I. I just made it up. Amen. But Jesus, he didn't see it as terrible. You know what he saw as terrible? He saw our future without him dying on the cross as being terrible. Jesus saw that if he never went to the cross, that um, we were going to spend an eternity in the lake of fire. And Jesus' love for us was so great that he saw that as being far more terrible than what he was going to go through. Jesus didn't just see from a human perspective. You see, from a human perspective, if someone hangs on a cross and dies and gets put in a tomb, it's over. But Jesus saw the end game. He saw, yes, he's going to go through all of this stuff, but that he was going to be raised up again on the third day. And here's what I want you to realize. Kingdom perspective always sees the resurrection. Come on, can I have an amen from someone here Active Church? Kingdom perspective always sees the resurrection. Kingdom perspective always sees the plan of God in the spiritual dimension. Kingdom perspective always sees the plan of God in the spiritual dimension. Kingdom perspective comes with wisdom from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit sees the future. The Holy Spirit will let you in on some things of the future. What bigger miracle could you have than that in life? That you see some perspectives on the future because of the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to to realize is that when you have kingdom perspective, and you're living in the spiritual dimension, and you're living in the the, the fourth dimension, even death is not seen as such a big enemy because it's seen through the lens of the resurrection. If you believe, then you too will be resurrected. I want to say that to you again. If you believe, then you too will be resurrected. If you believe that, I want you to give the Lord the biggest shout of praise now this morning. Amen. You too will be resurrected in Jesus' name. Amen. And then you notice the second thing. People can be well-meaning, yet their viewpoint can be destructive to kingdom purpose. So people can be very well-meaning, yet their viewpoint can bring destruction of your spiritual life. Matthew 16, 23a, but he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. I Think about those words. Get behind me, Satan. Peter thought he was advising Jesus well. Peter thought he's helping Jesus out here. And the next thing Jesus turns around and and. and wallops him and says get behind me satan the thoughts of jesus avoiding the cross seemed good to peter and they would have seemed good to many of us but they would have destroyed humanity if jesus hadn't got to the cross humanity would have been lost forever and Peter didn't realize, you see, when, when Jesus spoke to Peter, yeah, he actually gives us quite a big insight into how our thinking goes. You see, Peter thought he was speaking his own thoughts. Peter thought he was giving his own advice. But Peter was not speaking his own thoughts. The thoughts that Peter was speaking were seated there by Satan. This is what Jesus was telling him. By Jesus telling you get behind me Satan or you back off you Satan you're a hindrance to me. The fact that Jesus said that he's telling him your thoughts come from the devil. When you're thinking from a human perspective the enemy can sow things into your mind. And you can see things that are not reality but yet they seem like they're reality to you. And that's why Jesus addressed Satan. Notice he didn't say, get behind me, Peter. He didn't say, you, Peter, you're a hindrance to me. He said, get behind me, Satan. He's addressing the Satan that is busy there infusing those thoughts into Peter. And Satan is trying to get Peter to convince Jesus not to go to Jerusalem and not to go through with the salvation plan of mankind. Peter had the word with him in the flesh. (laughs) You know John chapter 1 verse 1 says In the beginning was the word and the word was with God And the word was God And then later on in John chapter 1 says And the word became flesh and dwelt among us So Peter had the word there with him Okay I mean imagine you just walking along And you can just ask your Bible a question And the Bible talks to you Like physically Not as if you have to open and, And read the pages you understand Like the Bible is right there because that's what he had. He had the word with him in the flesh. He had, he had the word right there with him and the word spoke to him. And the word knew the source of Peter's thoughts. We have the word in written form. And I want to challenge you. We need to speak to the word about our thoughts. You see, at least Peter spoke to the right person. He spoke to Jesus about his thoughts. He spoke the word about his thoughts. When we go to the Bible and we speak the word about our thoughts, then what we need to do is to test every thought against the word to see if the source is maybe the enemy or, or it's our flesh. You know, we might be coming with some well-winning advice. We, we might be thinking that we're putting down some well-laid-out plans. But at the end of the day, we need to check what is the source of our thinking. Where is the core of what's coming? Because the enemy and the flesh always aim to destroy purpose. And your ultimate purpose is the resurrection. Your ultimate purpose is that one day you too will see the end of the grave. You too will rise up and see your grave lying there empty. Because Jesus has saved you into eternity. And the enemy and the flesh always aim to destroy that. And Satan always works to cancel our, our, our revelation of the resurrection. Right now, while you're sitting there, Satan is working overtime to cancel your revelation of the resurrection. Right there, whether you're here at another site, whether you're in your home, whether you're listening to the audio, Satan is working overtime as you're hearing the sermon. He wants to cancel your revelation of the resurrection because if you don't have a revelation of your resurrection that is coming one day, he kills your hope. And without your hope you are hopeless. You know when someone says, ah, that's hopeless. You don't realize just what a prophetic word that is. And you can never be hopeless without Jesus. It's impossible. And so when our thoughts are filled with man's viewpoints, our thoughts approach God. Matthew sixteen twenty three b For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. God's entire purpose in the life of Jesus was the restoration of mankind. That was his entire purpose. The whole reason that Jesus came to the earth was this, so that we can see eternity. If Jesus had avoided Jerusalem, we would all be doomed. Now man is full of opinions that oppose God. And in order to overcome those those opinions that oppose God, you've got to accept the word of God as true in order to see the miracles of God in your life. When our faith is in the Lord, we see the supernatural. We see it. It becomes real to us, as real as if we can touch it. And today I just want to tell you, about applying the blood of redemption and the blood of redemption it turns out it's quite an important piece of God's word that we need to learn to apply in our lives you see Jesus was whipped and you know that the biggest scene in that movie the passion of the Christ, was when they were whipping Jesus because by his stripes we are healed and God wants to redeem us in every single area of our lives He wants to redeem us spiritually. He wants to give us spiritual redemption. Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we are healed. Isaiah 1 verse 5a. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Don't persist in all of the things that are going on. In the, the, the rebellion and the curses and all of that. Don't persist in that. You apply the blood of Jesus. And this passage helps us understand why the Lord asked people to trust Him. Because it's only by trusting Him that we can be redeemed from the power of sin and death. It's as though He was saying, perhaps you cannot understand the way in which my own son was torn to pieces by that merciless Roman whip. He was torn to pieces for you. Perhaps you do not realize that he was punished for crimes that he had never committed. He had never done anything wrong. And when you apply the blood that was shed from Jesus' wounded body, you are free from rebellion. You are free from sin. You are free from every spiritual obstacle that opposes your right relationship with Almighty God. But you have to believe that you are free. You cannot think from a human viewpoint The blood of Jesus was also shed For our physical redemption Isaiah 53 5D And by his stripes you are healed You know sickness is not a natural state For human beings And now for many of us This is going to be a challenge today Because many are sick But that's not a natural state For human beings You see, sickness came into the world as a consequence of the sin of man. And while you live far from God, the enemy had the right to attack you through sickness. But now that you're a part of the heavenly kingdom, you need to understand that your healing is within your reach. Your healing is within your reach. I want you to take it like this and say, My healing is within my reach. Come on, everyone, say, My healing is within my reach you have to believe it it's got to be yours listen you want to fight this battle this is the battle you got to fight Jesus was whipped so that you would not have to endure sickness I want to encourage everyone in our church take communion every day and start seeing by faith that healing is within our reach because just one drop of the blood of Jesus just one drop from his wounded body has the power to redeem you from all sickness and all pain Now, in terms of that physical redemption, he wants to heal you in your emotions as well. And if you're emotionally scarred, maybe you're not physically sick, but you're emotionally sick, then you take it. By the blood of Jesus, I am healed. I'm taking hold, I'm laying a hold of that redemption. And then, lastly, financial redemption. I've spoken about it before, but Proverbs 22, verse 2 says, The rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. The Lord is the maker of them all. The rich and the poor have a common bond. Why are some people rich and some people poor? Why are some people successful and some not? Listen, the root of the matter lies in the nature that we possess. And that nature only changes through faith. That nature only changes when we apply the blood of redemption. I I want you to think now about what it would mean if you really got a revelation that the Lord has saved you from all of the sickness. The Lord has saved you from every curse. Every curse is broken. You have been redeemed from the power of the enemy. You have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness in the kingdom of Jesus, the Son of God. Now, I first want to speak to you and ask you, do you know this Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He loved you so much that even when his well-meaning disciple came to him and said, no, Jesus, God forbid, you can never allow that to happen to you. That would be so disrespectful towards you. You see, the love of Jesus is so great that it's impossible for a mere human like Peter to understand it. And Jesus loved you so much that he was whipped to within an inch of his life. Jesus loves you so much that he hung on the cross for what, about six hours? And at the end, at about three in the afternoon, He cries out in a loud voice, it is finished. And the Bible says then he gave up his spirit. You see, Jesus' spirit wasn't taken from him. Our spirits will be taken from us. Jesus' spirit wasn't taken from him. He gave it up. So that we could have eternal life. So how how hard is it to have this faith? It's very easy. Romans 10 verse 8 to 9. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. You've got to confess him as Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you don't believe God raised him from the dead, how are you ever going to believe God's going to raise you from the dead? And so your eternal destiny is at stake. You know, when you talk about these things, this is the most important question of your life. This is the most important question you have to answer. What are you living for? I want to encourage you to live for eternity. I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus. I want to encourage you to make Him the Lord of your life. To ask Him to give you a supernatural revelation of eternity and to bless you with it in a powerful, powerful way. And if you're struggling with this, whether you're here one of the sites, whether you're sitting at home, if you're struggling with this, I want to encourage you right now. Don't push God away. The best decision you will ever make for your life is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus sacrificed everything for you And so what he's asking is that you come to his altar right now and you sacrifice everything for him. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to think, you know, do you need to give your life to Jesus? Do you need to recommit your life to Jesus? I'm going to ask you right now just to really let God speak to you. Because now is the time to do that. If you're sitting at home, maybe you're listening to audio, maybe you're watching on the Active Worship channel, then I'm going to ask you right now just to send an email in to info at and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to recommit my life to Jesus right now. And just give us your contact details and um, we'll be in touch with you and now I want you to picture yourself wherever you're at and I want you to see what you're saying to God and I want you to picture yourself saying this to God you're saying Lord I want to commit to you right now I want to submit my life completely to you right now Lord I can't wait until later I don't want to wait because now is the time Lord now is the time I want to be with you from now on. I don't want to spend eternity far from you. I want to live the the rest of my life with you walking close beside me. You're saying, Lord, I'm desperate for you. And I want to know that one day when it comes time for my death, that I'll be blessed by you, that my death won't affect me because i now spend eternity with you. Just see the love of Jesus. Lord, I just pray that everyone would just feel that incredible love of yours right now, that supernatural love. So right now, I want you to visualize Jesus dying on the cross for you. He was dying for you over 2,000 years ago. As the blood is just coming off of him, it's washing your sin away. I want you to see yourself. You're being washed completely clean right now. And that same Jesus who died for you over 2,000 years ago, the Bible declares he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that blood is just as powerful right now as it was the day he shed it. By that blood, all of your sins are washed away. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me now. Say, Lord Jesus today I recognize that I'm a sinner and I repent of everything I've done wrong I renounce my life of sin and I accept your sacrifice and I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption and today Lord I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me of all rebellion and all my sin that you'd set me free from any sickness and pain and I accept that my debt has been paid I have no outstanding balance with you you paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary I accept that by your blood I'm justified and that you see me as though I'd never sinned and by your blood I'm sanctified you have chosen me to serve you And I'm willing to serve you. And so I open the door of my heart, Lord Jesus, and I let you in to come in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: Then place me on the rock that stands and I hold true to the one who breaks my fall and lifts me time and time again reach your name as long as I'm breathing. But you are good. Come on.